need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes, Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. It's been a minute, folks. Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football. I'm your host, co-host this year, Price Atkinson. And I'm going to be joined this season by my friend Bill Rowland from Northern Virginia. Going to introduce Bill here in just a second. It has been a hot minute. It's been a couple seasons since we've done Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football, all things Army, Navy, and Air Force. That is what we do here. It's strictly Service Academy related. So if you are a fan, if you are a cadet, midshipman, student, graduate, parent, Um, whatever it may be, just a simple fan of any of these three schools, Army, Navy, and Air Force, folks, you've come to the right place because it is college football season, and we have a college football season on tap that we have not had in a couple of seasons. It still might be a little bit strange, but it is going to be vastly different than what we had last year in 2020 when we were in the midst of a pandemic, which we obviously still are they're going to be butts in the seats. And so I think that's going to have a whole level of excitement around the season that we did not have last year. But we're going to talk about Army, Navy, Air Force. We're going to do a lot of things here in this very first episode of this season, 2021. And as I just mentioned, this season is going to be a little bit different. I've got company. I've got a friend. And his name is Bill Rowland, as I just mentioned. Going to be my co-host here this year on Yards and Stripes. And I can't, first of all, tell Bill how thankful and lucky I am to have you, Bill, joining me this year and your help, your expertise, your knowledge, your background. So I have somebody to talk to because it's more fun to talk with somebody than often it is myself, Bill. Welcome into Yards and Stripes. It's so awesome and happy to have you. Yeah, thanks, Price. No, this is going to be a lot of fun because, you know, college fan bases much more fanatical than even the most ardent NFL fan. I mean, there's no question about it, whether you went to school or whatever. And the Service Academy's fan base, way different than any. And you can be a fan of Clemson, you can be a fan of Alabama, but it is much different. It is much deeper when you're a Service Academy fan or somebody who went to one of the Service Academies. That is a whole different level of fandom than what you see uh, even in the SEC or any other place. 100%. And it's one of the things that I love about Service Academy football, having been, I want to say raised on it, but saw it from a young age. My dad was uh, in the Army. I know you probably got plenty of folks in your family that have served. Uh, My dad was uh, in the Army, was in Vietnam. I worked at the Naval Academy in in Annapolis for four years. And yes, that is uh, just a, a note out of the gate. We keep things even, Stephen. Keep it uh, level here with all three service academy programs getting equal time. Clearly, we can't control what happens on the field um, as Army has ruled the roost the last few years. So there will be no bias on on my part. Um, I just love service academy football. And like you mentioned, Bill, it is different from the SEC. It's not about the Jimmys and the Joes, the fours and five stars. This is really college football more in its pure form. These are kids that go to typically the academies for the love of the game, you know, that they may have been um, recruited by. You might have a power five here or there. They might probably were an undersized kid, might be like a 5'11", 
260-pound defensive lineman coming out of high school um, that may have just wanted that chance to be able to say they they played against Notre Dame. You know, the chance to say they played Division One college football, and this is their chance. You know, they're often overlooked, but they might be super fast. Um, oftentimes, these kids, as we know, uh, they don't lack in the smarts department because to go and graduate from a service academy, it, you're getting an Ivy League education. So these aren't knuckleheads. These are smart kids. And, you know, you've got, uh, you know, three really fantastic coaches at all three academies leading the way. All the guys that have been there at their respective institutions, which we'll get into, you know, here in a few minutes. But, um, you know, that is the fun thing about this is that you and I love triple option football. I love to see the ball run. I love good defense. I am OK. Crystal clear you're okay with a 10-3 ball game any day and every day. I don't need to see, as Paul Johnson, former coach at Navy, used to joke, you know, this is the NCAA offense that we play against every week where they're throwing it around, you know, every single time, you know. So I enjoy this style of play, and I like this football in its purest form, Bill Rowland. Yeah, and it's one of those things, Price, that when you look at it, you know, you know Navy, Army, Air Force, they all come in every single week, and if they control the ground game, if they're able to run the ball and keep it away from the other team, that can be a real problem, even for teams that are favored you know, by you know, 7 or 10 points over one of these service academies because all of a sudden that other team realizes, hey, we may only get the ball for about 20, 25 minutes today, and if we don't do anything with it, those first couple drives, all of a sudden you're getting ground down and ground down and ground down. You look up and it's 21 to 3, which feels like it's 40 to 10 at that point because you know you can't get the ball back if they do their job. That's why, to me, it's a lot of fun to watch these guys because I just love to see them run that triple option. As you said, teams want to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. Well, you can't do that if you only get the ball five, six, seven possessions, you're not going to have that much time to throw the ball. So it's always that cat and mouse game of can we get the stops to get the ball back from them or are they just going to have nine, 10, 11-minute drives that just crushes the other team's defense? Yeah, double-digit drives are a thing of the norm for all three programs. And, you know, you've got to do something different. You've got to neutralize the playing field, so to speak. And, you know, when you cut block and, you know, you run a triple option, you run an offense that, you know, these teams don't practice against every week. By and large, most of the teams, you know, that they are going to go up against, they practice against more of the balance attack. It might be, you know, no huddle. We're going to try and go tempo, you know, but in by and large, it's mostly all the same. But then again, most of these programs also usually kind of set aside a week or maybe a day or two in the, in the spring where they work simply on Navy, Army, Air Force, whatever it is, the triple option, because they know that opponent's on the schedule, especially like an AAC program where you're going to see it all the time, you know, if you're in Navy's division. So, you know, it's, it's something that you just got to prepare for, and you cannot wait until Monday or Sunday to start watching film a game week to get ready for the triple option. And then again, when you practice it, you know, these teams don't know how to really run it. You know, they're running it. They may have had, you know, a high school. They might, you know, it's really interesting. I think Service Academy Week for a lot of these opponents when who they put in at quarterback to run the scout team. You know, they might find a guy that played maybe, you know, defensive end who was a quarterback that ran a triple option to run it. I've seen, you know, have you heard of coaches, assistant coaches running scout team quarterback? It's just really interesting when you get down to them. But, yeah, I'm with you. Um, it's going to be really interesting, Bill, this season just simply because last year was so strange to say the least. You know, 
fans weren't in the stands. I mean, there were just so many weird things about the season, you know, as a whole. And then when you get to service Academy side of things, you know, like army beats Navy again, but for the first time in 77 years, they play the daggum game at West point. Now I would have been, I would have done anything to be in at West point last year for that game, because, you know, to play that on campus instead of Philadelphia, when Philadelphia had a lot of COVID restrictions, so they couldn't play the game, you know, at, at Lincoln financial, like normal, uh, Having that game played at West Point, what was, I remember, just an incredibly foggy game. It was hard to see a lot of times at, at points on television. You know, Air Force, the, you know, they wanted to give out the Commander-in-Chief trophy. Well, Army-Navy, which is obviously usually the last college football game of the year, right, Bill? Well, no, it wasn't this year. Air Force and Army played the week after, right after Army and Navy played. It was just a very strange all-around, I know, for all of us. Uh, but when it came to the football field, that was just a strange 2020. Yeah, and it's going to reverberate into 2021 as well because especially in looking over these teams and what they have coming back and what they lost, you look at Air Force, they had a bunch of guys that opted out and did not play last year. All of a sudden, they're back in the mix and challenging for starting roles, challenging for playing time. So it's going to be a different look, especially, again, at Air Force. I think they had more guys do it than Army or Navy did. So that, to me, is going to be a big impact is these guys have been off from playing football for a year. How much have they lost, if anything? How much have they gained, if anything? That, to me, is going to be a big storyline for the service academies, especially of these guys who did not play in 2020, how they come back and respond in 2021. Yeah, let's start there, Bill. Let's look at our teams. I think Air Force, you teed it up right there. Let's talk about Air Force as we, you know, get ready for this season. And Air Force, we'll get in. We're going to preview their matchups. You know, all three teams going to be in action on Saturday with their season opener. You know, but looking back, Air Force, they only played six games last year. They had two canceled. All three wins that they had were blowouts. They had two two close losses. Um, You know, only playing six games, hard to get a read on the team after six games, but something you mentioned right there, they had a lot of guys opt out and they had 35 specifically turn back guys. And that's where the Academy basically a turn back is where the Academy allows cadets to take up to two semesters away from the Academy. Um, so you've got a lot of guys back this season, a guy like uh, uh, Jordan Jackson, a defensive lineman who in 2019 was really good. 38 tackles, um, three and a half sacks two four and a half tackles for a lot. He's one of their top playmakers. He's back. You're going to have a ton of guys back this year. There were a lot of guys, Bill, last year when I looked at their two deep air force, I didn't know who maybe half these guys were because a lot of them had really never played. So when you get so many of these, you know, kind of these turn back guys, you know, back from 2019, remember Air Force went 11 and 2 in 2019 and only gave up just right at 100 yards a game on the ground, um, went on to what came up short in their bowl game, I believe, to Washington State, had a fantastic season. You get a lot of those guys that are going to be coming back this year. They got a retooled offensive line, a couple guys that signed NFL contracts. Um, it, it's hard to kind of put a finger on Air Force specifically because the sample size was low last year and then a lot of experience coming back this season. May not be a lot of returning starters, but guys that have played. Right, and you mentioned DeMonte Meeks who opted out. He was the second team all-Mountain West player 
when uh, when he was there in 2019. So he's a guy that's definitely going to add to their thing. And along with the young blood, the other linebacker there in the middle, guy who's 5'11 and like 240 pounds, <laughs> that's the kind of guy you find the service guy. Like those, those little fire hydrant type of guys that are just miserable to play against because they're quick, but they're so strong and so low to the ground. He's a guy that came on really at the end of last season, ended up with, with 22 tackles. I think he started the last three games for them last year. But we know it all starts up front for all the – and you're going to hear us say this, Price, throughout the entire preview, yeah. that it starts with the offensive line. That's the only spot where I really worry about Air Force because they've got five new starters across that front – and that's going to be a thing. They've got guys that are seniors, but they've never started on the front line before. To me, that's where the big story for them is how do those guys gel together at the beginning of the season? Because if they can get on a run, they could probably win seven, eight, nine games again. But if they get off to a slow start, if those guys don't gel together, it could be a long, long season out there for the Air Force. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, that really is the biggest question mark for the Falcons is offensive line with just so many new faces this I mean, chemistry, you know, it's going to come down to chemistry. They're going to have to find it pretty early. You know, Lafayette is obviously going to be a tune up their first game. We'll get to right. that in a little bit, but you know, that's just going to be, you know, it, it really is going to be a tune up because they're not going to show much. They're simply probably going to run straight up base offense against the leopards. And you're just trying to get some, some, who your frontline starters are, get them a lot of time together. They're going to have to play a lot of guys too. You know, service academy guys, you know, these teams are not very deep. So you're going to have guys get banged up. They're going to have to figure out who even some of those backups are. But, you know, Hazik Daniels back at quarterback, uh, Brad Roberts, uh, the leading returning rusher, 461 yards, five touchdowns last year. Interesting, Roberts, Brad Roberts will double is the fullback and is the kick returner. You don't see that very often, especially at the service academy level. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, it really does all start up front. When you're running the triple option, you got to be able to block people. You got to be able to keep the chains moving and uh, convert on third downs, third and four, third and three. And that's what it's going to come down to for, for the Air Force Academy. Can they recapture that glory that they had from 2019? I, I mean, I think it's possible, Bill, because, you know, their schedule coming out of the gate it's not out of the question that Air Force finds a way and ends up six and zero in their first half, uh, you know, of the college football season in, in 2021. It, it's manageable. It, it's manageable from the standpoint they can. They, it, I think, at worst, I think they could be sitting potentially at four and two before that big game going to Boise on October the 16th. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why I said if they can get off to a good start, it could be a really, really successful year for them. But if they stumble against any of those teams early on that they shouldn't stumble against, if they get upset by somebody, and Lafayette's not going to be the team to do it. They're, they should boat race Lafayette coming up on Saturday. That's And that's nothing against the Leopards. It's, the Leopards, it's just the... You know, the, the disparity between, you know, a team in the football bowl series and the football championship series. You just don't see those, you know, upsets very often. So I think they'll handle Lafayette pretty well. But, yeah, if, if Brad Roberts can get off and get himself going, and, again, he was averaging over 100 yards a game last season. Um, if they can get back to what they were doing defensively in 2019 when they finished as a top 25 team, they're going to be a threat. I don't know that they can win the Mountain West, but they're going to be right there challenging Army, challenging Navy for the Commander-in-Chief trophy. They're going to be right there again challenging for a bowl uh, a bowl game and maybe even a, a top 25 ranking. And as a service academy, that's really all you can ask for. 
Yeah, 100%. Falcons picked to finish third in the Mountain Division of the Mountain West Conference behind Boise, the preseason pick there, and second place Wyoming in the Mountain Division. Um, and I agree. I mean, I, the schedule sets up favorably. The interesting thing real quick uh, before we move on from Air Force, Bill, it's it's just interesting seeing that Navy-Air Force game as the second game of the season. It's just strange because Barely typically were, yep. it's usually that first Saturday in October um, when the first CIC matchup occurs, usually at obviously either – the Naval Academy are out in Colorado Springs. This one going to be in Annapolis in week two. It's just, there's no time, man. You've got to be ready. And clearly that's what Air Force is going to be holding a whole lot of cards to their best on Saturday against Lafayette before that Navy game. Let me jump in real quick. One of the things, if you're an Air Force fan, here's a stat to watch out for for them. Last year, they struggled getting points in the red zone. Just 70% of the time were they able to get points. It was one of the worst percentages in the nation when you Mm -hmm. talk about scoring in the red zone. Compare that to 2018 and 2019 when they were at 90%, and there is the key for anything that Air Force does. When they're in the red zone, they have to score points. If they don't, they struggle all the time. We will see. We will get into their matchup here coming up in just a little bit. Air Force and Lafayette kicking off the season on Saturday. All right, Bill, let's pivot to – how about we pivot to the Naval Academy? Let's go to Annapolis, not too far uh, from you in Northern Virginia. We'll save Army for last as the Commander-in-Chief Trophy, uh, the current holders of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. But the Naval Academy, you talk about an odd year. It was also odd last year for Coach Ken Niamatololo, three and seven, three and four, the American Athletic. All three wins that they had were by four points or less. But, you know, it was strange because they really didn't hit much tackle and practice at all. Bill, Coach Niamatololo talked about it last year at the beginning of the season, through the season, because he just didn't know with COVID protocols and, you know, trying to be careful it, it showed right out of the gate in the very first game when they lost to BYU, and they didn't just lose. They were absolutely hammered at home in an empty, cavernous Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium on that opening weekend. You know, and then three and seven, clearly not something that Coach Ken Niamatololo is, is used to. They were trying to find a quarterback all season. They just couldn't do it. You know, but like a lot of teams, while you may not have played a whole lot last year, you got a lot of guys playing time and a lot of young guys, and there are a lot of young guys, especially on offense, are going to be counted on counted on under center. Um, but we talk about it; it all comes down to having a good start, and that's what Navy's going to need to do: is get off to a good start this Saturday. And it's going to be tough because taking on Marshall, Marshall's no pushover. This isn't like the Air Force playing Lafayette. This is going to be a tough matchup for them, and and it goes back to, to Navy got off to a bad start. I think it was fifty-five to three. Week one against BYU. But you know what? Price, the finish wasn't any better. They scored 13 points over their last three games of the season, including getting shut out by Army, a game that we referenced earlier, 15 to nothing. But if Navy can't score and scoring six, seven, and zero your last three games of the season, when your entire offense is predicated on clock management, controlling the ball, and that sort of thing, if you're not scoring points, it doesn't matter if you figure out a way to hold it for 35 minutes. If you're not scoring, the other team goes down and, and you're suddenly down 17-0. It was over for Navy anytime they got down by two scores pretty much. That offense has to be better in 2021. Yeah, and, they'll, and exactly, 100%. And the last memory that many of us all had of Navy last year, 
you know, was that game mentioned a little bit earlier, that <laughs> strange game at West Point, you know, the matchup, the, the bitter rivalry between the two service academies, Army and Navy, played at West Point. Navy, 117 yards of total offense in that game. I mm. know that those teams know each other so well, and I believe it was a pretty much most of that total, you know, number of total yards of offense was a Lon Xavier R-line run. I believe it was early in the third quarter where he ripped something off and Navy ends up not scoring, you know, as they get, in, I believe, inside the 10-yard line and could not punch it in. You know, it was a long run that where he got free, the freshman quarterback at the time. Um, I mean, again, they only they only hit, I believe it was 200 yards um, total. They only ran for 200 yards as a team four times right. last year. That can't, is can't un- happen heard of for a service game especially a navy team that had been in the top three in rushing i don't even know going back for 20 years yeah i mean you look at that air force was number one last year at over 300 yards a game um and then army was fourth i think they averaged almost 275 yards a game if navy isn't getting 200 yards on the ground again they're not scoring they're not doing anything it's basically going to be three or four and out because coach ken likes to go for it when they're in you know plus territory it could be fourth and one at the 40 well he's going to go for it he's not punting it away because he Mm -hmm. knows they've got to convert those fourth downs to be able to hold on to the ball to keep it away from the other team if they're not good enough to get stops and so that was a problem last year the other thing that's going to be interesting um jamal carruthers who was one of their i think he was their leading scorer last year no longer with them, dismissed not only from the football team, but from the academy itself back in the spring. So all of a sudden, it wasn't a great offense to begin with, and now you're even down the guy that was your leading rusher from 2020. They have a lot of questions uh, coming into here, game one against Marshall, and and a lot of it's on the offensive side of the ball. Now they've got three seniors up front on the offensive line, so that's good experience. But they, that offensive line and the quarterback play, as you mentioned, our line already, it, it has to be better than it was in 2020. And they're trying to avoid, uh, Price, they're trying to avoid back-to-back losing seasons in something like 15 years. It's been a long time since Navy's had back-to-back losing campaigns. Been a, been a long time, pre-Ken Niamatololo time. Yep. Um, you know, and, and they're a lot like Air Force because they also had a really good 2019. They went 11-2 and two like the Air Force Academy did. They blew out Army, and then they beat K-State in a bowl game thriller. Um, but also like Air Force going into this season, and a lot like last year where they, you know, didn't have, the, have a great season, they are trying to find it up front. And their offensive line, it all starts up front. And, you know, we're going to say that a lot. If that doesn't ever pertain to Navy, because especially when you're, you think Xavier Arline is de- is going to be the guy, he's going to be your starting quarterback. But there's going to be some guys waiting in the wings if it doesn't click. A lot like last year, the offensive line has got to be. I mean, it literally is imperative that the Navy offensive line be better, or it's going to be a lot of the same like last year. Yeah, and if you flip it over to the defensive side of the ball, and you talk about things up front, they've got to figure out a way to get pressure. Now, we all know it doesn't matter if it's Army, Air Force, Navy. You're not getting the big, giant defensive end monsters that are coming to the service academy, guys that are just going to you know, physically dominate the person in front of them and you know, get through for sacks. But Navy had six sacks in 10 games last year. That has to yep. change, whether it's getting pressure from the linebackers, whether it's bringing the safety off the edge, whatever it may be, they've got to figure out a better way to get pressure on the quarterback because – it doesn't matter how good your secondary is, and I think Navy's got a pretty good secondary. 
you can't chase guys around for six, seven, eight seconds while the other team's quarterback just stands back there and pats the ball and waits for somebody to get free. So I think they had 30 sacks in 2019. It dropped down to six this past season. They've got to be better up front. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they've got to find a way to get pressure because if they don't, it's going to be, again, a very, very uh, tough sled there in Annapolis on defense. Yeah, and only four interceptions as well. So when you're not getting pressure on the quarterback, the chances are you're not making them or making that quarterback make a tough rush decision in only four interceptions. You know, Brian Newberry, you know, came in, new defensive coordinator, coordinator, not new anymore. He changed, you know, went from the Buddy Green, the real bend but don't break for many years under uh, Ken Niamatololo. He came in, Buddy Green came in with Paul Johnson. You know, Brian Newberry brought in more of that attacking style defense. And, you know, last year, again, I mean, it's just such an aberration. It's hard to put a lot on it. Um, Yes, the year counts. Nobody's pretending that it doesn't. But he's got a guy in Diego Fago. You talk about all, all three of these service academy programs. Probably maybe the best, most talented guy on defense of any of the three, in my opinion, would be Diego Fago at middle linebacker. He's nasty, the heart and soul. You talk about an attacking style defense, a lot like what Army went to for several years, you know, before they lost their defensive coordinator to, to North Carolina a couple years ago. Fago is 6'3, 240 pounds. He plays like a missile in the middle of the field. He's nasty. 100 tackles as a sophomore. I think he's had almost 10 sacks the last two seasons combined. 23 tackles for a loss the guy is all over the place he was banged up a little bit last year didn't play quite as much um Diego Fago is the man when it comes to the Navy defense they're just going to need to find some guys to help him a lot of the secondaries back most of the line backing cores back have to find that pass rush for Navy I think we've talked this is all going to begin and end up front yeah, no question about it. You talk about Fago, and that's why I think while the secondary is solid, I think the linebacking core, if you're talking about the the line, the linebackers, and the secondary, I think the linebackers are the strength of this uh, Navy defense, and they just may have to figure out a way to, to let Fago go. I mean, just go be a playmaker. As you said, he's one of the nastiest guys out there, and, and he may be the guy that ends up having to go in and, and, and get three or four sacks on his own during the season. I don't think he can average a sack a game. They've got to be creative. They've got to find ways to get him more involved than just cleaning up the running backs coming out of the backfield or whatever it may be, you know, tight ends catching passes. He needs to be the ultimate playmaker for them. They've got a weapon. They just got to figure out how to use him. All right, let's pivot to the United States Military Academy Army, 9-3 and three last year. Uh, didn't know if they were going to find a home in a bowl game. They do kind of at the last minute, and they go to the Liberty Bowl, and you know a game they were winning 21-10 to 10 late in the third quarter. The Mountaineers from West Virginia, uh, they roar past them at the end to get a 24-21 to 21 win. But, boy, what more can you say about Jeff Munkin? I mean, he's got everything on a roll. The former Navy assistant, close, very good friend to Coach Kenny Amatololo at Navy. He's had four straight winning seasons, bowl game, and four of the last five years. They're on top of the Service Academy football, Bill. Winners of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy again last year, back-to-back weeks um, against Air Force and Navy. You know, the game against Air Force, it was kind of up in uh, up in the air until the last uh, minute and a half when they got a late touchdown by Jacoby Buchanan. Uh, they were trailing 7-3, to three and he punched it in with 73 seconds left to give them a 10-7 to seven win over Air Force. 
But there's no question about it. This is uh, Army. They are a top service academy football. They're going to get their taste a little bit when it comes to a schedule this year. But you still got a lot of momentum coming off that strange year in 2020 going into, you know, a, a very manageable 2020 camp, 21 campaign. Yeah, and we talk about it, and we'll say it again. It starts up front, and this is where I think Army, if you compare it to both Air Force and Navy, is better on across the offensive line than the other two. You've got Noah Knapp back. At the, the junior can play both guard and center. You've got Connor Bishop there at center. And left tackle Jordan Law is back as well. He made three starts in 2020. So they're going to be good, especially from the center position out to the right. The only question may be their left tackle. He's never started a game in his career, the new kid that they have over there left tackle. But let's be honest, Bryce, how often is – Army going to stop back and drop back and worry about the left tackle getting yeah. beat, covering the blind side for the quarterback. That ain't happening. I like these guys up front. I, I think Army is going to be really, really good. Again, running the football as we expect them to. They may challenge to get to 300 yards a game. You know, it's, we, we're talking about offensive lines, and you know, we've, we've touched on each of the three. You know, when it comes to Service Academy football, it's so much plug-and-play up front. And I'm not going to discount experience at all because the more experience you are, the better you're usually going to be, especially when you play together. But that one position is the center position and the triple option, making all those calls. That's the one where you want to have the guy back, and you got it back at Army. You know, finding that quarterback this year, they've got two guys. I think they're probably going to play interchangeably. Shoot, Army played, I think, four last year. They may have played five in 2019. You got Tyhear Tyler that's going to play. He's a former slot back. Christian Anderson is the senior, the better passer. Two guys that have played a good bit. Um, you know, Tyler, it's going to be the guy i think out of the gate although i think they believe they listed them this week as or you know yep. either or for the uh for the opener against georgia state and atlanta on saturday but two capable guys behind a more than capable offensive line bill and then you bring in some of the guys the speed when i think about uh the the backfield you know they've out recruited navy for a lot of guy you know the academies recruit so much against each other and you see army and navy especially going head to head all the time Army is now getting those guys that Navy, you know, wanted. It used to be Navy forever. They're the ones, they've got so much speed and so much of that was in recruiting that they out-recruited, frankly, Navy in to get a lot of those guys in the offensive backfield. Yeah, they had four guys go for over 400 yards last year. As you mentioned, Tyler led the Knights in rushing, the Black Knights, pardon me, in rushing for 578. But to me, the most explosive and the most exciting guy they have is Tyrell Robinson. He went for 424 last year on the ground, averaged seven yards a pop. And I imagine, Price, that they're going to look to him to be more involved than even he was last year. Again, ending up as the, the third or fourth leading rusher for this team. You mentioned Joby, uh, Jacoby Buchanan, who got the game-winning touchdown against Air Force in that last game of the season. He's back. Those guys will pick up the slack. I know they're not, you know, they're going to be missing Sandy McCoy, who had 10 touchdowns on the ground for them last year. But as you know, it doesn't matter if it's Army, Air Force, Navy. You replace those guys getting the touchdowns because you're just bringing in kind of that hamster wheel of next guy, next guy, next guy. So, yeah, he scored 10 touchdowns last year. They're not going to have a problem finding somebody else to be able to do that. Or not one guy getting 10, but it'll spread out. You'll see probably six, maybe even seven guys that are considered, well, maybe not seven, but you'll see, 
you know, five, six guys in that B back role, which in, you know, a triple option, you know, the way these, you know, at least Army runs it and the way Navy runs it, the B back is that fullback. You know, the A the A backs are more of those slot back guys. You'll see five, six guys get carries at that B back position. Tyrell Robinson, you know, there are not many guys, you know, this kind of goes back when you think traditional fullback, you think maybe kind of a quasi H back, you think, you know, sometimes tight endish, big, burly. I mean, Tyrell Robinson, sophomore, he's a fullback, folks. Tip technically a fullback, but they call him a B back, 5'9, 180. That's not what I'd call a bruiser, Bill Rowland. No. You know, that's he's, a he's speed not do- position. He's not doing any Mike Allstott, fill the hole and just ram somebody over. He's trying to get to the edge and run by you. That's exactly right. Unlike Kyle Eckel, who was a former bruiser that played a little bit in the NFL, you know, a guy that would rather run over you at fullback, played at the Naval Academy. You know, it's speed, you know, smaller guys, and that's what these B-backs are. You know, on defense, you know, everybody so much, you think offense when you think of, you know, grinding up the clock. Um, you know, these offenses work a lot of times as a kind of a second defense, so to speak, because you're taking the ball away. You're holding the ball for so long long and Nate Woody's defense last year led the country 275 yards a game allowed that was number one in the country um you know most of their secondaries back you got Eric Smith back at linebacker team high 78 tackles six of their top eight tacklers are back um I mean Army right now on defense they are again a they're like a lot like Navy but they've been doing it longer they're not been but don't break those guys have been going out and making plays and they got the guys back to do it again this year Bill yeah they're missing John Radigan he tied for the for the team leading tackles but I think they'll be fine as you mentioned Jabari Moore uh there in the secondary and they only gave up 15 points a game last season which I think was number two in the entire country but you mentioned Eric Smith, inside linebacker. He's going to be the guy. Almost the kind of the same thing over at Navy where, where you talk about for go. Smith has to kind of be that weapon for Air, excuse me, for Army to just be able to make plays, get a sack, get an interception, which he had, I think, a couple of them last year. If he can control the middle and they can get help again up front getting pressure, I think this – team once again is going to be pretty good defensively are they going to be 15 points a game good I don't know about that it's all going to depend on how the offense does but they could be solid Uh, they're not going to you know threaten any sack marks in the NCAA but they're going to do enough to keep Army in games they're going to do enough to get the other team's offense off the field and that's all you have to ask of of a defense when your offense is running the triple option get a stop here and there stop teams on third down and you're going to be okay that was a problem for them in their games that they lost last year. You look at, like, the West Virginia game and the bowl game. If they gave up more than 40% on third down, they were getting yep. beat. They are 20-1 and one in their last 21 games when they gave up 40% or less on third down. That's the stat. That's all there is to it. Absolutely. It's playing keep away. Just go ask Michigan and Oklahoma, a couple teams that they literally took to the brink, you know, the last couple seasons, not last year. There really wasn't that marquee opponent. Maybe it was BYU, but that game was, was canceled last year due to COVID, you know, Oklahoma overtime, Michigan overtime, you know, you go ask some of these big boys, you know, about uh, playing army and playing keep away. You don't get many options. You know, that's uh, army's going to have another shot at that. Uh, It's not going to be early in the season. It's going to be middle way through it when they go to uh, Camp Randall and in, uh, in Madison to play a preseason top 20 team in, in Wisconsin 
Army's going to have another chance to pull off uh, another shocker, and they've been darn close. I wouldn't be surprised if at this point they they pull it off this year. And one note real quick, you, you know, we talked defense, offense also. Army special teams has been pretty good over the last few yep. years as well. But last year, seven block kicks that led the country, including three by Ryan Duran, the third, a lineman. Um, you know, all three phases of the game, it's playmaking. They're making plays on offense, defense, and in special teams. And I think that is one reason why Army has just been clicking so well the last couple of years, all three phases of the game, Bill. Yeah, no question about it. And when you can get those type of things where you're blocking kicks, especially if you're blocking a punt or even a field goal that you're able to, if you don't run it back for touchdown, you get it into plus territory. All of a sudden, you're inside the 30, you're inside the 20 of the other team. Well, that's real tough to start to defend after your defense has been getting, you know, through been put through the grinder all game long of trying to stop this triple option, and then all of a sudden they only have to go 35, 30 yards to get another score. It can be demoralizing for another team, and I like the fact that that game against Wisconsin is later because, again, I think all three of these teams are going to be better later in the season than they are up front just because I think they need that much time with their offensive lines, all three of them, to gel, to get where they're going to be, to know who's going to be the starter at center, the starter at guard, whatever the case may be. I think they'll be better at the end of the year than they are in September. All right, Bill, Let's uh, we've, we've covered all three of these teams. Let's look ahead to the season openers this weekend. We're going to do our Faces of the Fallen that have done the, the last several years, how we wrap up every episode of Yards and Stripes, paying tribute to uh, fallen heroes, giving the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Uh, we'll wrap up with that, but we'll next look at our power rankings and also a look ahead to the openers for all three teams. Price Atkinson with Bill Rowland this season on Yards and Stripes. Remember, download, listen, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, you can listen on Spreaker, whatever is your favorite iP or podcast app. Just search Yards and Stripes. We will be your home for Service Academy football all season. Bill and I will be back in just a second. Your home for all things Service Academy football. It's Yards and Stripes with Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. Now back to this week's episode. All right, Bill Rowland, Price Atkinson here on Yards and Stripes. Episode one of the 2021 season, getting you ready for kickoff this weekend. As all three teams are in action, going to look at all three of those games and do our faces of the falling pain tribute to a fallen hero in just a few minutes. But before we do that, our power rankings as we go into the 2021 college football campaign. Bill, we'll start at number three. I, I'm going to put uh, the Naval Academy at number three. I think there are a lot of question marks there. I think you're you're still settling, so to speak, on you know who your starter will be at court. I mean, I think we know the starter will be Xavier Arline. How entrenched is he there? A lot of questions on the offensive line. I think you know defensive line. You've got to find pressure. I just think that there's more question marks for Navy than anybody. That's why I put them at number three. I agree. I'm with you there at number three as well. I imagine, and we didn't talk about this before the episode, I think we're going to have the same 3-2-1 uh, just yep. from talking about the preview. But, yeah, I've got Navy there at number three because, to me, look, I, I, I love Coach Ken and everything that he's doing up there at Annapolis, and he's had a tremendous amount of success. But you got to prove it to me. Three and seven yeah. last year, you you looked worse at the end of the season than you did. I don't know how you could have looked much worse than you did against BYU, but the level of competition that you played at the end and you only scored 13 points over your last three games, you got to start your, your power rankings this year at number three. No disrespect to them, but that, you got to show me. Yeah, and they that, the, 
to say that getting off on the right foot is critical for Navy, I mean, you almost have to win the Marshall game because with Air Force after that, then you go to Houston, and then you got UCF at home. That's your first four games. I'm sure if Navy and Ken Niamatololo had their way, they would have the bye week that they've got right after the Air Force game have it before the Air Force game. But obviously, that game going to be really special. It's going to be played on 9-11 um, in Annapolis. But that's a tough boy. I, after Marshall, I mean, Air Force at Houston, UCF at home, SMU at home, at Memphis versus Cincinnati. I mean, it find, find really me a does win. not – Yeah. Find I mean, me a win, Price. I mean, honestly, I hate to say it. They, they honestly, if things don't break for them, they could be 0 for going into the Army game. It's it's not out of the question. It's certainly not out of the question. Like you said, I think we're going to line up pretty much identical in this. Number two, Air Force Academy. I, you know, uh, I know last season they didn't play a lot, but all those turn back guys, a lot of experience, over 30 guys coming back. Um, I know they need to figure some things out on offense, but I think there's plenty of playmakers back. And I think on defense, especially, they're going to be able to get some more pressure on the quarterback. Milton Bug is back in the secondary. He did not play last year. He had three interceptions in 2019. Scouts are already looking at Lakota Willis or Wills at linebacker. I mean, you mentioned Meeks, their leading tackler. Uh, it was a turn back guy in 2009. They got a lot of pieces, Bill. I have far less questions, far less questions about Air Force than I do uh, about Navy. And as we talked a little bit about in that opening segment, the way that the schedule is for for Navy, how tough it's going to be, we just talked about that in the first segment. Air Force, they could be in the exact opposite boat rowing that Navy is in terms of being out of the gate, possibly undefeated after the first six games. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got them at number two as well. And I'll tell you what, for people that are wondering about this, in, in my mind, the gap between two and three is much wider than the gap between two and one. Uh, Air Force number two for me for a lot of the same reasons that you just mentioned. Also, again, how can you argue with the team that ran for over 300 yards a game last year? Their running backs, their quarterback, it's all going to be the same thing. Uh, they've got a good, solid defense there. So I like Air Force. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if after six games, if Navy, we look up and they're 0-6, 1-5. And on the other side, Air Force is 5-1 and or 6-0. and Would not surprise me at all. All right, Bill, take it away with your uh, with your top team. Clearly, there's no surprise. Fire away. Yeah, obviously, that only leaves Army. They are number one going into it. But, again, that gap between one and two, you could argue it. The reason I ended up putting Army at number one is they're the defending champions, right? They have the commander-in-chief trophy, so why not? Until one of these other teams knocks them off, they're, to me, still the number one team. Now... They have a tough test with Georgia State this week. This is a Georgia State team that beat them two years ago, so they may not get off to that that quick start that we're expecting Air Force to get off to. That is a prove-it-to-me type of game for Army coming up this week to play Georgia State. If they lose that game, then I've got the questions that I thought about in the preview are questions that I'm going to have to worry about. They've got to get off to a good start. They need to beat a team like Georgia State if they have aspirations of, of winning 8, 9, 10 games this year. Yeah, I'm with you. Army number one. I mean, until until you're knocked off, they're the defending CIC champions or you know trophy holders. There's no reason to think that they are not going to win it this year. Although, like you said, uh, Air Force is a lot closer to Army than I think that we've got two and three in terms of Navy and Air Force. But 
winning that opening game. It's not going to be a gimme against Georgia State and Sean Elliott's team. We'll talk about that in a second. I think that one thing that Jeff Munkin has done, you know, I'll say this, you know, I have been fairly critical. They're independent. They get to make their schedule up, obviously, any way they want to. Coach Munkin, I think, has done a really good job of blending a lot of winnable games to build confidence in his guys, to build that, you know, that culture. I hate that word. It's thrown around so much in sports, but it's true. You know, they've got that winning mindset now, and that schedule has been very soft in the past. I, th- you know, true, they there are a couple biggies on there, a couple buy games, money games that, you know, like Oklahoma and Michigan, you know, BYU would have been a big game. Could they have played it last year? With That would have been a fascinating game last season with how BYU, everything that transpired for them. You know, you've got that big game on the schedule this year at Wisconsin on October the 16th. But I think this is a meatier schedule. There's more meat on it. I think that there is more competition. You know, you've got, you know, your Patriot League foes on there. You know, Bucknell's there at the end of the year. UMass is going to be on another home game. You know, you're going to play at Liberty. Liberty's not going to be a pushover. I'm sure a couple of years ago, maybe when they schedule that, you know, they might have liked to change that now. But, you know, it's a it's a tougher schedule for Jeff Munkin's team. But I think that this is it's it's time, you know, it's time for them to kind of beef it up. And I think they have. And that is only in my mind going to help them, you know, as it comes to postseason, no matter who what you might see, if you might see a West Virginia or somebody like that or you know, a Kansas State, who knows who they might match up with. But no question about Army on the top spot of power rankings for me. Yeah, and it, as you mentioned, the, the schedule and, and everything else, to me, they almost have to, and I know a lot of it for Navy was the tradition of playing, you know, uh, Notre Dame all the time and, and teams like that. But I'd like to see Army try to find an, another Power 5 type team that they can play all the time to kind of yep. up their profile a little bit. That's why everybody looks at, at Navy uh, so long. And, and they have the tradition too. But for so long, you always knew you knew Navy and Notre Dame. Even though Notre Dame beat them for, you know, 40-some years, it didn't matter. That was still the marquee matchup. They were playing on NBC because of the, the, the deal that, that Notre Dame has. I think Army needs to find one of those types of teams because they're good enough now that, okay, yeah, maybe you don't win nine out of the ten times you play that Power 5 team, but you win that one time – everybody will remember because people are still talking about when Navy beat Notre Dame a few years back. Yep, that's absolutely right, 100%. All right, we're going to look at all three opponents for Army, Navy, and Air Force this weekend, all three opening up the season on Saturday, Bill Rowland and Price Atkinson. We are going to do that here next on Yards and Stripes, Episode 1. Again, download, listen, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorite podcast you listen to. And while you're at it, give us a rating. Would love to have you rate us five stars. Regardless, whatever you think, it makes it easier for college football fans and certainly Army, Navy, and Air Force fans to find us. Price and Bill, we will be right back. Look ahead to this weekend. We now return to the only show you need for everything Service Academy football. It's Yards and Stripes with Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. All right, continuing along, Episode 1, Yards and Stripes, Bill Bill Rowland. I'm Price Atkinson. And we look ahead to our games this weekend, Bill. Finally, it's here. Kickoff. I know kickoff is technically tonight, Thursday, as we're recording. But Army at Georgia State, first game we have of the day. All three are day games for all our three teams. But Army at Georgia State, a noon kickoff on ESPNU. Georgia State, a two-point favorite at last that I checked. Um, not a gimme of a game for the Black Knights, Bill. 
No, not at all. And like I mentioned, they played this Georgia State team a couple of years ago, lost late in the fourth quarter. Georgia State got them by a touchdown. Um, but this is, again, a game if they win this, you look at the schedule coming up. We talked about Air Force getting off to such a fast start. Before they get to Wisconsin, you win this game up front, Western Kentucky, UConn, which shouldn't be an issue, and Miami all at home. Then they go to Ball State. That could be a bit of a challenge. But would you be shocked if going into October 16th at Wisconsin, that Army's sitting at 5-0? and I wouldn't be. I've got them beating Georgia State this week by a field goal. Let's call it 27-24. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think it's going to be a close one. Um, you know, Georgia State, they, they closed the season last year. Again, it was a weird season. We know that. But one, four, five, you know, 11 starters back on offense. Um, you know, they're going to score some points. I, I think that I think Army will find a way to, to win it. I think they'll be able to pull it off. Um, I think they got enough tricks up their sleeve. And I think they're going to control the ball. I think they're going to get the win and go to 1-0. and All right, second game we've got, Bill Lafayette at Air Force, 2 p.m. That will be a 2 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Um, I haven't seen a line on that game. The game going to be broadcast on stadium. Um, Lafayette, the Leopards out of the Patriot League, I believe 140th season in college football, 32 meetings against academy teams. But ironically, this is going to be the first matchup uh, ever against the Air Force Academy. Yeah, and I don't think this is going to be an issue for Air Force. The reason you probably haven't seen a line on it is because they're probably not going to put a line on a game that's almost a a pick-your-number, pick-your-score type of thing. Um, I can't imagine Air Force having any problems at all with Lafayette. Again, that's not a knock on the Leopards. It's just uh, Air Force is that much more talented. I think they may roll up even close to 500 yards on the ground against Lafayette. I mean, this is just going to be an absolute mm. blowout. Uh, I'm thinking something like 40 to 10, 40 to 17. I don't think Air Force is ever going to be challenged in this one. Yeah, I don't think it'll be close either. I, I like Air Force big at home again at Falcon Stadium. Two o'clock kickoff, Lafayette and Air Force. That one can be seen on stadium. All right. And lastly, Bill, we got the Naval Academy opening at home, 3.30 p.m. kickoff on CBS Sports against the Marshall Thundering Herd, also known as the Jack Langle Special, the former athletic director um, at the Naval Academy that was played so famously by Matthew McConaughey. Um, And we are Marshall, the movie. Most people know about the plane crash uh, going back years ago. Jack Langle, that first coach after that. Um, it's going to be probably an emotional day, I know, for Jack. Somebody I know well worked for him. Um, but again, the Marshall Thundering Herd, I think was interesting that they made that change, uh, coaching change in the offseason where Doc Holliday, the longtime coach, Bill, you know, they they fire him after a 7-3 and three season. Not exactly a, a terrible, you know, terrible season. They were seven and zero. I know they finished with with three losses that were all pretty close, except a loss to Rice. But you know, they decided to replace him with Charles Huff, who was an assistant in Alabama. I think one of the more surprising off-season uh, coaching moves, so to speak. So you go into a game really not knowing what to expect with a, a former assistant in his first time role as a head coach. A lot of unknowns, I think, for Kenny Amatololo and his staff to get ready for this Marshall team. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. I think last I saw Marshall was two-and-a-half, three-point favorites uh, on the road, which, hey, you know what? Your first college football game, if you're going to be a road favorite, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm actually going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Navy gets this victory. I know I was just Ooh. talking about how they could be 0 and, you know, Ofer going into the Army game on the 11th. And really, I'll be honest with you, Price, Marshall – SMU, 
East Carolina, really, to me, the only three games on this schedule right now that I look at and say Navy has even a chance of winning the games. The other ones, I'm not confident in them winning at all. Now, things can change as we see how this team plays, but I don't want to see Coach Ken go over, so I'm going to go ahead and give him a win right out of the gate in week number one over Marshall. Again, it'll be close. It might even be an overtime game. It's not going to be easy, but I'll take Navy to win that one at home and get themselves <clears throat> off to a better start than they had last year. I'm on the fence in terms of uh, it being a pick 'em, but also my my gut is telling me brand new coaching staff. I think that like like you, I think the last I saw was two and a half to to a field goal yep. that uh, Marshall was giving to the Naval Academy. I think that so much more says about last year in Navy than it does more about this Marshall team, uh, which has a first year head coach in Charles Huff. You know, my gut's telling me that Coach Niamatololo. It's made a lot of the changes that he needed to make. They, a lot of these players are going to remember that season opener last year. I think they're going to be energized by having fans in Navy Marine Corps again for the first time since 2019. My gut says that Navy finds a way to win a slugfest against a, a stout defensive front in, in Marshall. I'm with you. I think that they're going to find a way to win a very, very close one. All right, Bill, let's uh, take, a, take a quick break. Step away when we come back, our faces of the fallen, and then you and I will wrap up episode one here of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. Back in Yards and Stripes, Bryce Atkinson here uh, as we're going to close this thing up as we will do here our weekly faces of the fallen segment here. Is where we how we will close up every episode, remembering a fallen from Army, Navy, or Air Force. And this week we are going to talk about uh, remember, uh, honor a former member of the United States Air Force Academy, David Lissy Lyon. And David was killed uh, October, excuse me, December twenty seventh, two thousand thirteen, in Kabul, Afghanistan, when his convoy. Uh, that he was a part of was attacked by an IED. David, uh, unfortunately, along with nine others in that convoy, lost their life uh, that day in Afghanistan. He was a part of a mission uh, with the uh, combat advisory mission with the Afghan National Army Commandos, uh, working with the Combined Joint Special Operations Task Force in Afghanistan. Uh, David was assigned to the Peterson Air Force Base, and the 21st Logistics Readiness Squadron uh, when he was killed in Afghanistan. And, and David, a member uh, and a 2008 graduate of the, United, of the United States Air Force Academy in 2008 and was a three-year letter winner on the Falcons track and field team where he was a shot put and discus thrower uh, as well as a Mountain West champion in the shot put when in the indoor season in 2008, a, a throw of 57 feet, uh, 11 inches, David won the Mountain West Conference Championship. And David was also a National Strength and Conditioning All-American. And David is uh, survived by his wife, uh, Dana Pounds Lyon. Dana was also a 2006 graduate uh, of the Air Force Academy and a a standout track and field athlete in her own right. She was a two-time NCAA champion in the javelin throw. His wife, Dana, said shortly after uh, her husband was killed, quote, every day was always the best of my life with him. So every day just got better. The last two days were the best two days we ever spent together, end quote. 
his friends and family remember him as uh, an outstanding airman officer. He's survived by his, again, his wife Dana, as well as his parents, Bob and Jeannie, as well as a brother, Sean Lyon from Sandpoint, Idaho. Uh, again, David was just an incredibly tender warrior uh, as, as he was remembered by his family. He was awarded the Bronze Star Purple Heart and Combat Action Medal for his service. And this is where we take a step back and honor those, again, like David Lissy Lyon, who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country, for our nation, and for our flag. We now return to the only show you need for everything Service Academy football. It's Yards and Stripes with Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. All right, let's put a bow on this. Episode one, so lucky to have Bill Rowland here with the Boston Red Sox. You can't see us, folks, but Bill and I can see each other. That Boston Red Sox, uh, Fenway Park, that big green monster behind him. Bill, you must be a big Red Sox fan. I'm going to go out on a limb on that one. I, I am, and it's better for my Zoom background to be that than the the site of my unfinished basement that I'm in right now. So I figured I should probably put something up so you're not looking at just like studs and wiring and HVAC all behind me. Well, I can tell you the enjoyment is already uh, leaps and bounds than past years. Not that I didn't enjoy doing this. I've loved doing this uh, for the past couple of years. Took a little bit of a break. Uh, but to have you and to be able to talk about a lot of the games and you know, the action, the moments, um, the course that we're going to kind of go on through the next several weeks is – you know, again, that excitement is there. And to have fans back in the stands, you know, at Mikey, not this week, but but start next week and at Falcon Stadium. I mean, the fans are what make college football so special. The product on the field is fun, you know, but it's the pageantry, it's the atmosphere. Um, and excited for you to help add that atmosphere here right to our podcast every single week, Bill. Yeah, it's always fun. Again, we talked about it right at the top, of the, you know, the passion of the SEC fans. Everybody talks about how it's unmatched and everything else. But to me, there's nothing better when you're you're tuning in and watching a, a Navy game, an Army or Air Force, whatever it is, and, and seeing those service members in uniform in the stands, cheering on their fellow classmates and everything. That to me, that's that's college football. I mean, anytime you think about, it, I mean, who doesn't think of Army Navy? And even if you don't have any type of connection to Army or Navy at all, people always are tuning in for that game. Doesn't matter what the records are between those two teams. That's the reason. There's a reason CBS plays that game in prime time position, you know, every December when they play that game because everybody gets into it. Some of the best games I've ever seen are related with Army, Navy, and Air Force. You know, Army winning a thriller in the snow just a couple years ago, um, you know, in Philadelphia when a kick was short and they preserve, you know, the victory over Navy. Um, you know, a Naval Academy comeback um, in Annapolis a couple years ago when they got the ball back with less than a minute to go and drove the field. It was a touchdown pass, not a run, a touchdown pass in the back of the end zone uh, to win it. Um, I mean, some of the moments, you know, with, with Air Force, going out to Falcon Stadium for the first time in several years, I was out there with Air Force, happened to be out there family. It was Black Friday and wanting a service academy game, but Air Force beating uh, Colorado State, which is a big rivalry out there in Colorado uh, in Colorado Springs. They knock off uh, the fo the Rams from Fort Collins for the uh, Ram Falcon Trophy. Came down to the last game. I mean, some of the best games I've ever watched have all involved these three teams, Bill. I know we're going to have our moments again this season. We always do, and you and I will certainly have ours. 
right here on Yards and Stripes. We'll take it out. Um, you can listen to us every single week, Yards and Stripes. Again, we told you, download, listen, subscribe. Apple Podcast, Spreaker, wherever you listen to all your favorite podcasts, just search Yards and Stripes. Give us a rating if you got a quick second. It literally only takes seconds. You can follow us on Twitter at Yards and Stripes on Facebook. We'll post all the links to the episodes there. Um, but that's going to do it for episode one, Bill. Episode one's in the books. Didn't scare you off. Hopefully you'll be back for episode two next week. Just give me a quick confirmation. Yeah, and hopefully we're talking about uh, the service academies going 3-0 and in week number one. That's the, you know, fingers crossed. I think 2-1 and is probably the minimum that we're going to get. But hopefully Navy can help us out. We'll be talking about the three undefeated teams next week. That's it. Hope to go 3-0, and we hope we'll see you or hear you or hear us next week right here on Yards and Stripes. Until then, enjoy the games, have fun, and stay safe out there, everybody. Thanks for being with us for this edition of Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. A reminder to find us on social media through Yards and Stripes and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And we will catch you next time on Yards and Stripes, Service Academy Football.